Hey guys, welcome back to Floral Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Alyssa. And today we have another special guest. Yen Yen is here with us. Hey guys. All the way from Seattle, Washington. It's pretty far. It's pretty far. Slightly warmer, possibly. It's not snowing there, so that's a plus. (laughs) Slightly warmer here in Minnesota? There. Oh, yeah. Just slightly. It's only like, what, negative five degrees today? My car said nine. But I don't know what the wind chill is. The floral couch is keeping us warm. Indeed. Yeah, nine degrees. That's really, really warm. Just kidding. I'm trying to see how warm it is in Seattle. Oh, it's 46 degrees. Oh, my gosh. That seems (laughs) tropical to me. (laughs) Short weather. Here we are, Minnesotans again, talking about the weather. Yes. I feel like this happens every episode. (laughs) Yes, it does. Anyway. It's quite cold here, though. I had to brace myself to come back in the winter. She brought a parka. I, it's necessary. I wore a parka here. It's my marshmallow jacket. <laughs> it makes me look like a marshmallow. I call mine my sleeping bag jacket because it's really long and I could sleep in it like a sleeping bag. Yeah, mine's pretty much that it's like too. Cushy and comfy. It's great. <laughs> anyway, so we have Yen Yen here all the way from Seattle where she lives, but we know her because we went to college with her for a brief period of time. Before I left. It wasn't that brief, but yeah, for a while. So I met Yen Yen freshman year. We were on the same floor, right? Yes, we were. We were like four doors down from each other. I think so. Yes. And so our floor hung out a lot. So we became quick friends. Yeah, I was weird. So my roommate didn't want to hang out with me. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to latch on to other people. (laughs) And I met Yen Yen also freshman year but it was after i had transferred here from going just after going to school in chicago and we have kind of a small world crazy story i went to orientation at loyola in chicago the summer before going there for the first semester of freshman year and i met this girl in my orientation group named alex and we became like pretty fast friends we had like a lot in common and we were both going to major in the same thing and we'd spent like two days together at orientation and so we decided to sign up for a bunch of the same classes and so then once we got to school in the fall we had classes together every day so we hung out a lot and got lunch a lot and she would talk about her friend yen yen who was going to school in minnesota and i was like what i have a ton of friends that go to that school and then I remember seeing her tagged in a photo with our friend Max. And um, I was like, that's such a small world. And so then when I transferred back to go to school in Minnesota, our friend Max came and knocked on our door, knocked on my door to say hi because I had just moved in. And he had his friend Yen in with him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I know your friend Alex. And then I actually got to go see Alex in Seattle when I came to visit Yen Yen a couple last year. I think it was last year. Yeah. yeah. But it's crazy because I've known Alex since freshman year of high school. So, like, now almost over 10 years. So, it's just crazy, like, how small that world is. But, yeah. And now she's my roommate. So, crazy world. It's funny, too, because then I would hang out with you and you would remind me of her because you guys kind of talk similarly and... Yeah. Our West Coast talk. About a lot of the same things, yeah. And Yen Yen, because you had that connection with Alex, I think you actually introduced everyone to Emily. Uh, was it me or was it Max? Or maybe it was both of us. I just remember you bringing her to what we called the Gracement, which because our dorm was called Grace and in the basement. I think you did. Oh, yeah. Right. And you were That's like, the first time I remember you seeing her. You were like, her. oh, tonight, come down. And then you introduced me to everyone. 
And oh my god! I never talked to anyone it. again for a while. <laughs> but look where we are now. <laughs> oh my god! I just started a beautiful friendship. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, it took a while. Can I take that credit for it? Or no? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. go for it. I just gave yeah. you credit. So. Okay. <laughs> I'll take the credit for it. It's not my LinkedIn. Perfect. <laughs> just kidding. Friend setter upper. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up in Seattle. What possessed you to come to Minnesota? You know, that's a good question now that I'm here in the cold. No, just kidding. Um, I just knew that I really wanted to get the experience of going away from home because I knew I wanted to go back. And Seattle is a, is a big city, but it's a small city. So when I grew up there, everyone knew everyone even though I didn't go to like the biggest high school, I knew everyone. So I just wanted to get away from that. And I initially looked at McAllister and for people who don't know about McAllister, it's a good school, but you have to be a certain kind of person to fit into that school. And I am not that kind of person, but I toured all the schools in the area because I was making the trip out here. And my mom was like, we're spending this much money to visit a school. You need to visit every single school in this area and did not like Hamlin sorry, Hamlin. Um, nothing against Hamlin. It was just, and then just St. Thomas just felt a lot like my high school. Um, it was small enough, but big enough. And then it's a really pretty campus. So that was like all really good plus stuff. And then once I got my scholarship package, I was like, well, it's financially viable sort of. So I'm just going to take the plunge and I'm glad I did it because I learned a lot about myself and I was so homesick. I don't know if you remember that, but it was so hard the first semester. I was like constantly crying in my bed being like, I just want to be in Seattle. But I'm like really glad I did it. It was like one of the best experiences that I could have done. So that's why I chose it. Financial reasons. What other colleges were you looking at? Like in other states? Any? Yeah, I looked at um, Marquette um, because I went to a Jesuit high school. So I was looking at a lot of Jesuit colleges. So like Marquette is a Jesuit school. Loyola is one too. Yeah, Loyola, which is where obviously where Alex went, mm-hmm. and sh- then Loyola of Marymount in LA, which is also a Jesuit school, and then there's a school in New York that I um Fordham, which is also a Jesuit school. So those were the kinds of school I was looking at. And then McAllister was a liberal arts college I was looking at, and then the other liberal arts college that I was looking at was Reed in in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Which, which we call weed because of how much they smoke there. So I was not allowed <laughs> to go there. <laughs> so you were here in Minnesota for a while and mm-hmm. then you just made the decision to go back home to Washington. And was that hard to make the tr- transition back to a different school? Yeah, it was a lot of it had to do with financial reasons. I just halfway through college, my grandma was helping me financially and then she got really sick. And so a lot of her financial support was no longer there, which like valid, but financially it was just really expensive to go to college in Minnesota and so when I made the decision to go back a lot of my credits didn't transfer back so that put me back a lot credit wise Um, so I actually ended up almost being like a fifth year student which is not a bad thing but when you could graduate in four years and then end up being a fifth year student it's kind of a hard thing to swallow but it was just good to be home so I could be with my family while my grandma's health significantly deteriorated and just being with them but also like financially it was a lot better to be home because I could actually live at home and not have to pay for living expenses and so 
financially it was like the better choice financial decisions are hard in general I think and it's at like such a young age to have to make those decisions I feel like I didn't really fully understand it yeah I feel like college is so expensive that it's like thinking back now yeah there was like no under like no real understanding of how much debt we were actually getting ourselves into so the fact that you had the foresight it was unfortunate that it was because your grandma was sick but you had the foresight to be like this isn't a good financial decision for me I'm gonna make a move like I feel like that's very like mature of you yeah I always say I really wish someone would have explained Mm -hmm. student loans to me before I took them all out because maybe not because I probably would have made different decisions and my life turned out fine and great anyways but I'm like, oh, I might have made different choices if someone would have told me this is what would happen. So, so yeah, I think that's tough, but but smart. And you eventually, you wanted to go back to Seattle anyway, so yeah, it I mean, happened a little earlier. I think, I think anyone who grows up in a city that they know so well, it's hard to leave because you just, it feels so familiar and you just know like, no matter what kind of day it is, whether it's a good day or a bad day, I know like my favorite coffee shops, I know where I can go to make myself feel better. And so just just missing that was also like really hard so it was a good idea for me to go home because I was eventually going to go home so you went home you graduated then what did you do oh man okay (laughs) I've done like everything under the sun I have like the weirdest resume I became a paralegal for about a year and a half and it was a dead-end job there was just no movement in the company so then I did a term with AmeriCorps which was something I did because I thought I was going to be, I wanted to do nonprofit work. And I realized I'm not cut out for nonprofit work. So I had this gap of time where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I have no clue, like if I want to go to grad school or law school, if I even want to go back to school. So I just bought a backpack, packed my bags and went to Europe, which was terrifying to do by myself. Um, but then right before I was supposed to leave, I actually got a job offer to become a flight attendant. And I was like, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I need money. <laughs> so I'm going to take this job and they're going to still let me go travel for a bit. And that's like the best of both worlds. So I left for three and a half months, traveled around Europe and then came back and became a flight attendant. And now I've been a flight attendant for two years. So that's my life. And you love it? I love it. It's my my done job. Like I'm not going to try and find anything else it's it that's it I've thrown in the towel I'm committed (laughs) but if you like it I mean that's the goal right to find something you like yeah and honestly I think it's so hard for people to say at least it was for me to say I love this job and I can't see myself doing anything else and so now that I have that I'm like I don't need anything else like it satisfies me and I love it and that's I think for me is something that I've always wanted to be able to say about a job Is there different positions within being a flight attendant? Like, could you be like a head flight attendant or like some other type of job just to switch it up if you ever do need some variety? Yeah, actually, every position on the plane, it's a different position. So we we number or we letter them, but some companies number it. But so there's like the A flight attendant, the B flight attendant, the C flight attendant and the D flight attendant. And so. I change it up all the time so that it's not always the same because every position is different. You do different things. You have different safety checks. You perform different duties in case of a safety emergency. And then it's just also good because you stay fresh in all the different positions. If you, if you, you know, mix it up a little and especially with safety stuff, you don't want to 
forget about like what you have to do in this position or what you have to do in this position because it can be nerve wracking when you have to start doing safety stuff. So you want to make sure you're on top of all of that. So you said different positions. So I feel the need to ask, have you ever caught anyone trying to make it into the mile high club? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've never caught anyone trying to make it in the mile high club, but I have seen someone give a hand job on the plane. So, I mean, it's not like, like in the bathroom. No, like on their, in their seats. Like he was sitting in the, or she was sitting in the aisle and he was in the middle seat and she was definitely giving him a hand job. And the window seat was open? No, there was someone in the window seat. Uh, can you say anything in that, in that position? In that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, situation? I, I'm such an awkward person. I don't know how to react to that. Like, like in general though, like do they prepare you for things like that? No, like I think a lot of people don't realize this, but when we are getting trained, everything we get trained on is purely safety related. So like the five weeks of my training, it was all like, how do you save someone in the air? Like, how do you put out a fire? How do you do CPR? All this stuff. And then they're like, oh, and there are some social issues, but you'll figure it out once you're on the plane. So there was no training for that. And I don't think any training would have prepared me for that. No, <laughs> regardless. They give you like customer service training and stuff too? No, like it's all safety oriented. And I think that's what people don't realize is mm-hmm. that when we, the first time we ever learn how to pour coke it's our first flight ever like we don't really get any training on that um so yeah i had to learn how to pour coke the very my very first flight ever during turbulence <laughs> during turbulence while we were also delayed but you know it's fine <laughs> i've heard that it's really competitive to become a flight attendant like you have to well, what's the application process like so i don't I only, so I'm like one of the few people that got hired like the first time they applied, but I know people have applied like six or seven times. So I don't really know the difference, but it it was a 10 hour interview. So what do you do is you do an online interview first. And then if they select you, you go, it's pretty much like a cattle call. Like you show up to hotel room or hotel like ballroom. And there's, I think there was like 70 people there and they interview you individually and then you do a group interview and then you do an interview with the HR a panel interview and after all of that if you get hired like so of the 70 people in that interview only five of us got hired so as you're sitting there waiting in the hotel room like people are leaving and not coming back and so you're like oh my god why didn't they come back like did they get hired did they get fired like what's going on and then there's only five of us left in the room and we're like so what does this mean? And they're like, oh, you're hired. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later. And I'm like, I spent 10 hours here and that's all I got. <laughs> like, I'm like, can I just go take a nap now? <laughs> Were they like normal? Like normal is probably not the right word. But when I think of an interview question, it's like situational things. And, you know, like your background and where do you see yourself? Like what kind of interview questions were they? A lot of them have to do with like your judgment call. Like, um, so you're in the air and you have someone who's crying and then you have someone who's like having a fight with their spouse. Who do you go help first? You know, like split judgment calls. Cause the thing about flying is you're stuck in a tube and you're stuck there for however long that flight is. And so you have to try and make everything better for everyone else. But also you have to think of safety and you have to think of how does this affect me personally, like my safety and also how long, how long is the flight? <laughs> so if it's like a two hour flight, you're like, uh, 
I'll let them like I'll let them fight it out. But if it's a six hour flight, you're like, we got to figure this out because we can't have them fight for six hours. And so a lot of that was just based on like different scenarios that people had gone through and being like, so this is a couple that's fighting and it's a six hour flight. Do you step in or do you not step in? What do you say when you step in? Like that was what the questions were about. Wow. That's crazy to think about like i mean obviously i know that being a flight attendant is way more than just pouring drinks and going around asking for trash but (laughs) like like you just said you have to be depending on the craziness level of the flight like you you could have to be a therapist and like de-escalate a situation and like save someone all in a short flight yeah and also medically like Mm -hmm. we've done i've had to give cpr i've had to like give people injections i've had to do epipens. i've had to give people oxygen so like we're also the first responder and it's actually like the first time i ever had to give someone an injection i was so scared i was like i'm not trained like i'm trained but i'm like i don't i don't feel comfortable giving you this shot even though i know you need it because you're having an allergic reaction but i don't feel like i should do this i don't i didn't go to medical school you know i went five weeks of training but that's it you're the only person who can do it because you're not no one else is authorized to do it so I was like here we go dude (laughs) here's that shot I feel like you're a very calm like all right we got to do it person so it makes sense yeah I mean it's definitely like your adrenaline kicks in Mm -hmm. and you just like go into like adrenaline mode where like we have to save you this is it like if you don't if we don't save you you die kind of thing but then afterwards I was like oh my god okay I just did that. I just administered oxygen on this guy who was dying and now he's not. But it's like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's why it makes sense that it's such a competitive, like, rigorous interview process because they have to make sure that this person is going to be able to save someone and de-escalate a situation and, like, stay calm when people are being idiots and or mean. But, yeah, we... I talked to this girl one time. I was at a party and we met this girl who was a flight attendant for Delta and she was bragging about how com- competitive the interview process was and how they were like, we love you. You're a model. You need to come work for Delta. And hearing you talk about it like makes her sound even more dumb. So. And <laughs> I'm just definitely funny. not a model size height. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's be honest. Everyone's taller than me, literally. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. Do you remember that? Were you there, Alyssa? That, okay, I don't know if I was there or if I've just heard you tell a story a bunch. So we've heard that a lot of weird things happen on planes. Yes, they do. Besides, apparently, hand jobs in the middle of the whole plane. <laughs> have you ever been picked up on a plane or tried to? Like hit on? Hit on? I have. Pick up I've, lines? I've also tried to pick up someone on a Ooh, plane. <laughs> do tell. So I've done both. I'm on both sides of that aisle. Um... So the first one was this guy was like, I mean, I'm just gonna be honest when a flight attendant's like talking to you and making small talk is because we're like, we have to, and we're like passing the time, not because we're like, oh, let me talk to you. It's like, oh, how's your day? But we're doing while we're pouring coke because we're like trying to kill time. But sometimes they take it a little wrong and they're like, oh, this woman's talking to me. This means she likes me. So I was just making small talk with this guy, just being polite. And then after the service, we're in the back, like cleaning up and he comes back to me. He's like, oh my God, you're so nice. Like you had such a pretty smile. He's like, I'd love to take you out once we land. I was like, uh, I have a boyfriend and 
I'm a vegetarian, so I can't go to that restaurant. Sorry. No. <laughs> like, I was just like, I don't know. Like, that's not okay. Sorry. I just don't feel comfortable with that. And he's like, okay, well, here's my number. If you're ever in the town, like, because we were flying to New York. He's like, if you're ever here, I'll take you out. I was like, eh, no, but thanks. It's fine. And, like, there's that. And then, like, another time, this guy, like, hugged me to go, like, when he was saying goodbye. And I was like, I don't like to get hugged by people I don't know. So I was like, oh, please don't hug me. And so he's like, oh, here's my number. And like gave me his card and walked off. And I was like, I had never talked to him, but he just like gave me his card. Oh, you don't like to be hugged by people you don't know? Especially on a plane. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Especially on a plane. Like I don't want people hugging me uh. on a plane. Like please don't hug me. <laughs> yeah. But then I've also given my number out. How did that go? <laughs> like, so like, you know, <laughs> so I put my number on a napkin and I gave him the napkin while he was leaving the plane <laughs> had you you'd been talking to him mm-hmm, yeah i'd been talking to him like the whole flight and it, it was a five-hour flight so we like had a good time like we talked for like maybe two hours of that so i definitely wasn't like oh this is a cute guy i'm just gonna yeah. give him my number was he sitting like near the back mm-hmm, where you he were was in okay. the back of the plane he was like maybe four rows from the back of the plane and he was in the middle seat, so he had, like, came back and was like, hey, I'm in the middle seat, so I just want to stand for a little bit because I don't want to be in a five-hour flight in the middle seat. Valid. So I was like, yeah, come just hang out. And so we just talked for a couple hours. So when he left, I was like, I kind of gave him, I, like, slipped him my number. And I, like, was like, have bye, have a good time in Hawaii. Like, I was like, I hope you enjoy it because it was his first time. And I was like, if you have any if you have any questions about like where to go, I gave you my number so you can like ask me for tips. <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> and But he never texts me back. <laughs> so Well, you tried. That was brave. <laughs> yeah. Fail. <laughs> so wait, would your advice to people if they see a cute flight attendant to be just let them hit on you because otherwise they're probably most likely just misconstruing your politeness? Um, no, I think if you, if you are interested in a flight attendant, you should go back and talk to them first and not just be like, Hey, I want to go out with you, which is what kind of what the guy did. He like didn't even have a conversation with me, like have a conversation, get to know them, like actually get to know them. And then if it actually seems like they're interested, then be like, Hey, like next time, not this, not this layover. Cause obviously that's, but like next time you're in New York, like I'd love to meet up or something and like be smooth about it. Don't be like, I'll take you out tonight. Like, yeah, no, a lot of us don't like going out as soon as we land. Like we want to go back to our hotel, like, unwind after a long flight and then maybe we'll go out but rarely do I go out that night I'll usually go out the next night but it's like no I won't ever go out with a person I just met on a plane it's just like right feels weird I can't do it fair (laughs) but I mean I'm not saying it hasn't been done so like I know there are flight attendants who will do it I know I I would love to talk to someone who who was a flight attendant or is like married to a flight attendant and they met on a flight Oh, no, it's happened before. Oh, I'm sure it has. There's this really cute story about this couple that used to sit next to each other in first class. And we, like, would serve them every week. Like, they always commuted. To, they always flew together. It was, like, San Francisco to Seattle. Like, every Wednesday, they're on the same flight, same seats. And, like, clo- like every couple months, I'd be like, oh, they're getting a little closer. Oh, like, their hands are holding. Like, what's going on? And then, like, then all of a sudden, her name changed. And I was like oh my god her name changed to his name so i'm like they got married and they met on our flight like that's crazy super cute yeah (laughs) but like a flight attendant and just random person oh that happens too yeah Yeah. but i mean i think it's it's a lot harder yeah when i i've I've actually flown on a, a lot of planes recently and this is in the last few months and i feel like 
the flight attendants don't really try to make small talk. I no. mean, they're nice. <laughs> they say like, here you go. Do you, yeah. what do you, what would you like? Snacks? And then they just disappear and you don't see them until they're saying bye. Thank you at the end. So, or they just call you trash. <laughs> I mean, that too. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on like who the flight attendant is. I always try to make small talk because it makes people feel a little bit more appreciative or like in engaged especially if they're like in the middle seat i'm always like really i really feel bad for people in the middle seat so i always try to make them feel better but then yeah there's some days where i'm like just do your job just part of the coke don't talk to anyone don't look at me in the eyes i just want to do the job today yeah there was one time i was on a flight and there was probably like 10 people on the flight (laughs) and it was pretty late at night and there was a lady flight attendant and i was sitting near the front of the plane and we were like it was a layover so waiting for people to get on the on the plane and I just ended up like asking her a million questions about being a flight attendant and where she was from and how she became a flight attendant. I feel like she was like, okay, lady, stop <laughs> interviewing me. But I was like, I'm so bored. Talk to me. I mean, we definitely have that too, where people are like, just tell me everything about being a flight attendant. I'm like, oh, we pour Coke. I'm, I mean, I'm just curious. And that's why we're here interviewing yeah. you. Right. I mean, it, I think because it is kind of like an abnormal job than your normal like nine to five that people are very curious about it because they always ask me about it. And I'm like, it's really not that different from your job. We just happen to do it in a flying metal tube (laughs) and at weird hours. (laughs) So speaking of pickup lines and picking people up on flights and meet cutes, we hear you have some pretty hilarious slash maybe terrifying (laughs) dating app stories. (laughs) Uh, Very traumatizing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I somehow stumbled into this weird hole of being matched with lots of couples on Bumble. So like for a good day, all I was getting were these couple profiles that were like, we're a married couple and we're just looking for an extra person or I'm in a married relationship, but I just want something on the side. Like this is who you'd be. And I was like, what algorithm did I stumble upon? Because this is not who I am. (laughs) This is not what I'm interested in. And I don't even know why this is on Bumble. Is this a thing on Bumble that I didn't realize was like a a part of Bumble that people meet their side piece on Bumble? I've I've heard it's a thing. I listened to a podcast called This Is Why You're Single and they interviewed a couple that is called, I don't know what it's called, but it was like a couple, a guy and a girl who were dating and then they had a unicorn. Is that what it's called? I think so. Which is just like another girl in their couple that they are in a relationship with and they talked all about it and i was like i just can't i still can't wrap my brain around it like good I can't for believe- you if that works for all three of you but no. yeah i can't believe there's a term for it i didn't even know there was a term so that's that's I think probably they call it a unicorn because it's like rare to find another like woman who is gonna want to be in your couple your thruple yeah <laughs> thruple <laughs> That makes sense, but I feel like that's tainting the term unicorn. <laughs> so maybe that's why they need to hit up all the dating apps to like up their chances of finding this mythical creature. That makes so much more sense why there was like unicorn emojis on like uh, the yeah. profiles now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I get that. At first I was like, wow, they just are like really happy go lucky people who like unicorns. And now it makes so much more sense. <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, definitely got a couple sugar daddy messages on Hinge. And I was like, is that a new thing now? Sugar daddies are on Hinge? 
unmatched him really fast. <laughs> that did <laughs> that did not go forward any more than the message he sent me. But you know, teach their own. Yeah, I guess at least if they're upfront, you yeah. know that you want to like decline right away. I That's guess true. or something. Yeah, they're it's not going to be said for not like faking it until you're like too invested. Yeah, or like wasting your time. Mm-hmm. They're just like, this is what I want, and you're like, no thanks. Yeah, no, that's totally valid. Mm-hmm. It was just more like, oh, this is a thing that happens on these dating apps. I'm clearly really behind because the last time I was on the dating apps, it was like not like that. Have you had any successful dating stories? Not maybe not successful, but like better. I'm some yeah some stories to give our listeners hopes if they're on <laughs> dating apps. Um, yeah, I mean, I've gone on a couple dates, and I mean, I think. For me, I'm just like in a place where I don't know if I really even want to date. So I'm like having that struggle. But I have gone on like some really good dates. I've gone on two dates with this one guy and we're making plans to go on a third date. So I feel like that's kind of a big step to go on a third date. Yeah, the third date's supposed to be the most telling. Yeah, so I'm a little nervous, but... Hopefully he's not, he doesn't listen to this podcast, even though I told him about it. So this episode might not be out by the time you go. Okay. That's good. Okay. good. (laughs) Afterwards, if it works out, you can be like, here, want to learn everything about me? Listen to this. Yeah. I don't want to tell you how I feel, but here, listen to this podcast. (laughs) This is why I'm nervous about our relationship. No, um, but he's really nice. And so like, I'm going to go on a third date with him. And I think like, that's a big thing. Cause I, when I have been on the dating apps, I've only done first dates and like it's at least like I think it's hard to go on a second date with someone and so to go on a third date I think is like a big step at least from like dating on a dating app in my opinion I don't know for sure I feel like getting to the date part is like the hardest part anyway and let alone to a third date because you just like have to make this conversation go somewhere and it takes so much effort that usually I get bored before we even get there so it's like impressive that you're persevering through that (laughs) i mean i will be honest though each time the date came up i was like why did i do this to myself do i really want to go should i say i'm sick (laughs) like those are all the thoughts (laughs) that went through my head every single time and then i was like just do it just put yourself out there and like yeah they ended up fine but i think it's just like that initial like okay i just need to do it i just need to go on that first date yeah I think that's good advice because you like it's never comfortable going on a first date, especially someone with someone you've met on a dating app. Right. And there's always that fear that you're getting catfished. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm always like, okay, I know this is the person like I'm meeting, but like, is this going to be like an old photo that when like he shows up, he doesn't actually like, you know, he's aged a little, which is fine. But like, obviously what you look like 10 years ago. Right. And so I'm like, am I getting catfished? Like, who is this person? (laughs) Yes. So when you meet someone on a dating app, do you ever add them on Facebook? No, I actually, so I do this thing where when I give people my number, I actually don't give them my real number. I have a fake texting app and I give them my fake number. What is this app called? <laughs> it's called Free Tone or Free Text Tone. I've heard of, I've heard of people who do that. Yeah. And I mean, it's genius. It actually like, part of me, it gives me kind of a sense of ease of like security and like, I don't feel as bad if something goes wrong because I'm like, you know, they don't have my real number. So it's not like they can actually like find me. Not that I think that you can find me via my cell phone number, but just right. gives me like a little more sense of security. And then also you can't find me on Facebook because I have a fake Facebook name. So <laughs> why is that? 
because Facebook doesn't like me. <laughs> no. Um, well, yeah, Facebook doesn't like me, but actually because my name is um, a double name. So it's Yunyun, but there's a space in the middle of it. And Facebook doesn't like that. And they think it's a fake name. So they shut down my Facebook account. So now I go by my fake name, which is my middle name, which is Olivia. But so that's what my Facebook is. So even if people do search from Yunyun, they're not going to ever find it or they will, but it won't be me. It'll be other people. Did Facebook give you an option to do something to not get it deleted? Oh, yeah. They wanted me to send them my passport. And I was like, you know, after all the information about you selling people's information, there's no way I'm giving you my passport. Right. Like, And then I was like, can I give you a bill from like a magazine that I have? Because I subscribe to Vanity Fair and like The Economist or like the Washington Post. And they're like, no, because you could use a fake name. So we need like a actual like check or a debit card or like your passport. And I'm like, those are all very secure information that I don't know where it's going to go, who's going to look at it, who you're selling it to. So I'm not going to do that. And so because I didn't send them any of that information, they like took control of my Facebook page. And so I no longer have access to my Facebook. I feel like that's weird because I've seen so many other dumb names on Facebook that aren't real or like, maybe not double names as I say, but like I can't think of a good example. Right. I got actually a notification that it was Stan, the appliance man's birthday. And that is literally the fridge that (laughs) some of our friends had in their dorm room. They called it Stan, the appliance. They had (laughs) another um, Facebook for like Peter Cottontail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many fake ones out there. We actually, I just remembered my friend Livy and I made up a Facebook for this person person we called Grandmother Esther, who was like this grandma from England. I don't know why we did that, but yes. I'm still friends with her. And her name is Grandmother Esther on Facebook. Yeah, you know, they were like saying they were cracking down on profiles that they thought were suspicious. And I was like, you know, if you look at my profile, one, it's from like you can trace it back to like whatever like 2010 so i'm like that's clearly not like a brand new facebook that like russian people might have created to like influence the elections <laughs> like facebook and then also like i'm clearly tagged in multiple different people's profiles like not just like one profile but like all my friends from st thomas all my friends from seattle like all my work friends like that's a lot of people so to be like you're a fake person even though 110 people have tagged you in different photos like you're you don't exist yeah, it seems like they need to update the way they go about figuring out if a profile is fake or not. But or like claiming if they're or asking if you're yeah. Russian. <laughs> like I'm so not Russian. So were they like emailing you about this or Facebook messaging you? They were Facebook messaging me and at first I thought it was a scam because I was like, "Oh, Facebook message like sometimes people like will send you messages and like I feel like anytime someone messages you it's a scam on right. Facebook these I feel days like I keep yeah. getting a new Facebook profile for my like great aunt that's like hey how's it going and I was like okay you got hacked again like, right <laughs> yeah so I was like this is weird and then they were like oh you have to send us your information I'm like this is weird like why would I have to send anyone my information also like it's a social media site like I'm like this isn't like it's paypal or like my bank site like it's a social media site why do you need to verify who i am right and it's free so like i don't understand why they care but if you're not like if there's not like bullying content or something along those lines like right and like my facebook profile was literally me just like liking lots of animal videos so like i'm really not (laughs) sure like there's probably a lot sketchier situations they could be fixing right on facebook 
Yeah, and I told them that. <laughs> Didn't matter to them. <laughs> Stupid. Yes. But, so you mentioned your name, obviously, is Yang Yen. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the origin of your name? Yes, actually. So, I go by my Chinese name, which is Yen Yen. And then Olivia is the name that my adopted mother gave me. So, um, she decided she wanted me to keep my original name, but obviously wanted to give me an American name and one that she named me um, when she adopted me. And so, um, my full name is Yen Yen Olivia, if you want to like get technical. But... Um, yeah, it's Chinese, and I was born in China, and I came to the United States in 1994 after I was adopted by my mom, and I have two younger adopted sisters also, so we're just one big happy adopted family. And were you adopted from an orphanage? Yes, I was adopted from an orphanage, and um, me and my sisters are products of the one-child policy in China, and for people who don't know that is that um, China, the Chinese government was trying to um, address their population issue. So they made this law where families could only have one children and that was it. And so in China, because it is a male dominated society and everything is passed on through the male, like your property, your money, all that stuff, everyone wanted to have boy children. And that was what you desired to have in the society in China. Like when you got married, the women would move into the fam- the house of the husbands and the parents would his parents would still live there. And so the role of the wife was to take care of him, his family, and then whatever children you had. And so for people, like that's why you wanted to have a male child was so that you knew this you were going to get taken care of in your old age. But consequently, obviously that means girl children were not desired. And so a lot of us were given up for adoption because they all wanted to have male children. It's not a rule anymore in China, is it? No, they just overturned it like 2016 or 2015. They finally realized what happened when they realized there weren't any women in in China now. And they're like, oh shit, what did we do? Oh, I'm sorry. I just swore on your podcast. This episode is PG-13. You can can bleep it out, right? Okay. And then your mom is British, right? Yeah. So crazy. So my mom was born in London because my grandmother is British, but my grandfather is American. He met my grandmother when he was stationed overseas in England. And so he met her and they got married and she, he brought her back to the U.S. But my gra- my mom was born in England and has a little bit of an English accent, but not that big. One, not that big. But my friends say she does, but I don't think she does. I mean, she's been in the United States for a long time, too. Yeah, she's been here permanently since she's like 24. But they moved back and forth between Europe until she was like 15. Did she live in Washington? No, because he was in the Air Force, they moved all around the U.S. So like they were stationed in Texas and Florida and I don't know where else they have Air Force stations. (laughs) But those are the two that I can remember. And then like Germany and England um, I think over the two main ones that I remember they talked about. But yeah, then they ended up in Seattle for one of his stations. And then that's when he decided to retire was in Seattle. So that's how we ended up in Seattle. Very cool. So you still get to go visit family in London regularly? Yeah, I try and go back and see them maybe once or twice a year now. Now I have flying benefits. But before yeah. that, it was not it was maybe once every four or five years just because... If you're paying for a full fare ticket, yeah. it's, it's quite expensive to fly to London, especially from Seattle. Like the West Coast, people don't realize it's so far away from everything that it just takes so much more time and money to get anywhere else. Speaking of travel, again, <laughs> you have a travel blog slash food blog slash 
Instagram? Yes, I do. <laughs> Is that just like a creative outlet you started? Or? Yeah, I decided to do it because one, I really haven't, I like blogging. I think it's a really fun way to connect with people. And part of the reason why I wanted to do it was it felt like a really good way to do something on my layovers because before I would literally just lay in bed and binge watch whatever was on TV. And I was like, this is not healthy. I should probably do something more productive on my layovers. So this gives me like a really good purpose of like, okay, I have to work on this blog or I have a recipe I need to work on or I need to create more content for my Instagram. And also it's just a really cool way to connect with people. Like I've met a lot of really cool people through the blog. It's just like fun to meet other people through the internet, which also like sounds weird, but no, <laughs> it's I a cool way. Yeah. People with common interests. Yeah. And like people who are like, oh, I see you liked this place. Maybe you should go check out this place the next time you're in New York. And I'm like, wow, I would have never thought about that. So then I get to find more places to visit. You also travel a lot. So you see a lot of cool things. And so, I mean, it's just a good place to be able to put all of your thoughts and your memories and your photos in like a pretty organized way. Yeah. I never really thought about that. That's a really good point. And I also think when I was looking at travel blogs, at least for me, it was really hard to relate to some of them because a lot of them were like, here's what we did. And this was our budget. And it was like a $5,000 budget. And I'm like, Oh wow, I do not have that kind of budget. So I felt like a lot of times I couldn't really relate to what they were doing or I felt like I couldn't do that so I like to talk about like here's the things I did that were free because I'm poor and like I'm a millennial and I have student loan debt right so like that's been kind of fun because some of the comments I've gotten back are like this is so great like these are things I never thought I could do but like they're free so now I'm definitely going to check it out so that's been kind of fun to, to be that kind of niche that's been missing where can people find your blog I'm at a girl catching flights.com I like it it took me a while to think of that. I wanted it to be clever. <laughs> is that your Instagram as well? No, my Instagram is more like, it's kind of hard to to promote both because they're separate, but it's a Seattle foodie. And it's just because I started when I go out to eat, I was like, I'm going to take a picture and like post it. And now it's like a, a thing. <laughs> but it's harder to connect the two contents because one is just like full solely focused on food. Whereas another is like focused on like traveling and like what I make for my flights and things like that. So it's kind of been hard to like connect the two of them, but I'm trying. <laughs> two creative outlets. There's something wrong with that. And we can put those in the show notes as well. Cool. Yes. We'll link them. Thanks. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. So I read a Buzzfeed article recently because that's where I get all of my news. And there was like basically a flight attendant tell all the most shocking stories and so I was thinking we could do like a myth or fact kind of game or a fact or fiction kind of game are you up for it I'm down 100% let's go okay the first one is someone said the plane is disgusting don't walk around barefoot definitely don't eat your mint after it fell on the floor like Mr. 3A did the other day yeah I would say don't ever walk around without socks on it's gross it's gross (laughs) We don't wash, replace the blankets or pillows. That's not true. They get washed. Do Especially you, if they're flying in or out of the United States, they have to be washed. It's a regulation. Oh. Don't the pillows have those weird little cases on them? Well, if like they're attached to the seat, oh. then like that's different. But like if they're like in first class or premium class or whatever and they give you them, they have to be washed. Okay. Like especially flying into Mexico, flying, flying from Mexico. Yeah, and I was going to say, I feel like the blankets usually come in plastic mm-hmm. as well when I've gotten them. Yeah. 
The next one is during delays at the gate, we are not getting paid. So we're as pissed off as you, if not more. That's not true. Really? We, we do get paid. It's just paid in a different way. Oh. And But actually, this is like a fun fact. It is true. We don't get paid for boarding. So when people are boarding and like we're, we're there, we don't actually get paid until the door closes. So. Interesting. So if like it's if the plane is there, but there's bad weather, so it's delayed and people are chilling in the airport, you don't get paid for that? or um, That's different because it's considered a situation that's out of our control. So anything that has to do with delays, we get paid for because okay. that's not on us. But like when we are actually boarding that we don't get paid until a door closes. It's called block to block. So whenever they release the brakes to whenever the brakes get put down, that's when we get paid. Okay. Why do they do that though? It seems like you should get paid because you're there working like you're setting stuff up on the flight and it's it honestly varies per airline it's just that's how my airline does it but that's because of our contract because we that's how we negotiated our contract are you guys like unionized we're a union contract but not all airlines are we just are okay the next one said this is from a pilot don't drink the coffee the water comes from the onboard system that has the fill port right next to the port the lavatories are drained from the water system routinely fails ecoli checks um maybe on other airlines but not our airline because like we check it every day so i mean some people don't drink it some people do but it's water like yeah i feel like i'm drinking coffee on the flight but well like think about it it's, it's hot water so it's it, gonna kill it's gonna things. kill anything that's yeah whatever so i'm like whatever you drink <laughs> the coffee don't drink the coffee i don't care <laughs> Just tell me how many creams and sugars you want before you order so I don't have to ask you four times. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only thing. <laughs> As you're boarding the aircraft, we are judging you. We need to be able to establish what kind of flight we're going to have. That's true. And also, we do it so in case of emergency and we need people to help us, we, we have to find the most able-bodied person. And so that's what we look for when people are boarding. Also, we look for people who are intoxicated so we don't actually have a flight with them. So we will often kick people off before getting on the plane if they're intoxicated. I've definitely seen people get on the plane intoxicated and ride the whole way. Yeah, I mean, if you're able to hide it and we can't find it, like people have gone by so much, but there are times when you can tell that someone's intoxicated and you're like, there's no way I'm getting on a plane with you for three hours. Like, sorry, dude, but Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have been drinking that much. This next one is kind of what you were talking about earlier, actually. 98% of our training is for the 0.1% of our job that we hope to never use. We're trained to fight fires, treat medical emergencies, evacuate a plane in record time, and much more. Yeah, we're trained to evacuate a plane within 60 seconds. 60 seconds? Mm Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, so think of that. Like, we have to get 197 people off a plane in 60 seconds. And we're trained to do it, and we can do it. I feel safe now. (laughs) Seriously? Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's like a quicker time than I expected for some reason. I can open that boring door within 0.001 seconds. Like I can, I'm like a beast at that door. <laughs> it's like something I'm really proud about. We timed it. <laughs> when you ask us to change the temperature, we pretend to do it. Planes are generally colder because if we hit turbulence, warm temps will make the chances of someone puking much higher. No idea why. Um, yes and no. So we don't like it too warm because it does make people more sick. If there's too much turbulence, but also it's based on our temperature too. So if we're warm, we're like, we're not going to turn it up. We're warm or if we're cold. We're going to turn it up. So I feel like I'm usually hot on planes. I feel like I'm hot until we take off and then I get cold. But like the sitting like on the tarmac or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm always like dying. 
That's why, that's because when we're actually at the boarding gate, it's not, it's not air. Like it's being pushed in through a tube that's attached to the plane. So it's different air that you're feeling when you're sitting down on the ground. Whereas like obviously when you're in the air, it's just filtered air. So it is a little bit colder when you're in the air. Um, There's flex restraints on the plane and you're trained on how to use them. Yeah, there are version of um, shackles. Like, have you had to use them? No, and that's a good thing. Yes. Because <laughs> that's usually bad things that happen <laughs> when you have to shackle someone. Nearly every aircraft has human remains on board inside the cargo bin. <sighs> what? You're hesitating. <laughs> I mean, yes, not all the time, but yes, we have. I have like, so if you're the lead flight attendant and you, you get the cargo manifest and you have to sign off on it. And yeah, there are people who are transporting dead bodies. But I mean, you know, say like you die in Florida, but your family's in Minnesota, right. like your family wants your body. How is it going to get there? Right. I just never even thought about that because like it's not something we ever see. Yeah. Happens quite a lot, actually. Also, you wouldn't think that they'd just do it on a commercial flight, but I guess right. it, there's room. <laughs> I Yeah. Why would you charter like a separate plane to do that, I guess, but... Yeah, you'd actually be surprised how many dead bodies we transport a day. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't think about it too much. It makes me a little creeped out. I always yeah. think of like that, what was that Jodie Foster movie? Like on the plane? Do you remember that? Jo- no. no. Okay, it was like a horror movie with oh, Jodie Foster. Oh, that's probably yeah, why I, I never wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> but it wasn't like a real horror movie. It was like a trying to be a horror movie with Jodie Foster on a plane. With Celine Murphy? No. It's okay. No. no. <laughs> it's fine. It was a great movie. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember. What's the craziest story you've ever heard from like a coworker or experienced yourself? Um, it didn't happen to me, thank goodness. But um craziest story was my friend's plane. Um, she was working obviously, had an engine failure and they had to do an emergency landing while flying out of Hawaii. So think of how much water there is around there. So if they didn't make the tar- runway, they would have landed in the water. So that's kind of scary to think about. Like a land, a land, when you're landing on land, it's a lot easier to evacuate people, obviously, because they can just run off and like get away from the plane. But when you're landing in water, you're stuck and you need to make sure that you can get everyone out, out of the plane, but then they have to be on the plane because you're in the water. Also in the Pacific Ocean. So like when you were training, did you have to get in water and, and like save people? Yeah, we have a water day where we just spend the whole day in water and like we have to swim across a pool while dragging people with us and we mm-hmm. have to like learn how to get onto a life raft and like learn how to pull people onto a life raft without oversizing the life raft and learning how to like swim like while you have to hold someone. So yeah, it's a lot of a lot of stuff you got to do. Yeah, so for everyone taking a flight, just remember your flight attendants have this training. They've drug, drag, drug. Dragged? They're capable. They of are <laughs> capable of dragging people across the water, but not the ocean. <laughs> so you hope <laughs> not, it's a really small but not body. Not the entire ocean. <laughs> body of water. That's why we have life jackets. So right? put your yes. life vests on. <laughs> yes. Semi-related. So like you have to stay calm in a crisis. I feel like the exit row. I'm always like these people are saying yes, but really I don't trust him or him. <laughs> <laughs> like. Is there actually, is that like a requirement to make people say, are you capable, et cetera? Yeah, it's a requirement because one, if they don't speak English, we need to know that. And so if they don't say, if they don't understand what you're saying to them and they don't, you know, they look at you and you're like, what are you saying to me? Then you're like, do you speak English? Because 
if something happens and we yell commands at you, like you need to open the door. Right. If they can't understand that, you do not want some them someone sitting there then. Right. And then also because a lot of people when they realize that they actually have to like do something, they're like, Oh, I don't want to sit here anymore. So then it's like, okay, well then we can move you because we need someone who can and who wants to sit here who can do it. So it yeah, and it's required. I have it memorized by heart. <laughs> I have to do it every time I'm on a plane. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. So our last question is one that we ask all of our guests. <laughs> yes. And that is if you had a reality show about your life, mm-hmm. what would it be called and why? I mean, I know what it what it would be called. <laughs> I don't know why. But it'd be called the Asian Glow because obviously, like, I'm Asian. And, you know why. Um, <laughs> because I get drunk all the time. No. <laughs> um, it'd be called the Asian Glow because I, whenever I drink, my face turns red and it's called the Asian Glow. So I think it's funny. I think that's funny. It, glow can also mean a lot of other things too. Like, yeah. just like glow sparkle. up. Sparkle. I was going to say, yeah, glow yeah. up. Live in your best life. Yeah. And then my reality TV show would be about like, me trying to get someone to like take that trip that they've always wanted to do because I think a lot of people at least a lot of people I know are always like oh yeah I'd love to go to Spain but you know maybe next year I'll do it and then next year becomes five years and then five years becomes 10 years and so something that I found with my job is traveling is one it it shows you who you are and you learn a lot about yourself and then also you learn a lot about the world and how we all fit into the world and I just think it's so important for everyone to see the world and so I would want to help people do that if that means like giving them financial help like how can you save to go to a trip or telling them like you can go on a trip by yourself because I think that's the other scary thing is going Mm -hmm. traveling by yourself and a lot of people will not do it because they think it's not safe or I don't know how to navigate a, a train station by myself and so I'd be like, no, you can do it and I'll be your life coach and you can do this and I'll help you do that. And so that's what my show would be about. That's really cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's so, kind of what your blog is too because you yeah. give so many tips on how to save money, where to go, like ways that you can do things cheaper because that's one thing is that travel is a lot more attainable than people mm-hmm. realize. Like if you just know how to go about it. Yeah, and I think... It's just so overwhelming, though. Like, you type into Google, like, places to go to in, in Spain, and you get, you know, 10,000 hits. And so, for someone who's never traveled before, you look at that, and you're just like, I don't know where to start. This mm-hmm. is too overwhelming. And so, I'd be like, start small. How can I help you? Yeah. Very cool. Love it. Well, thank you so, so much for your flying to Minnesota to be a guest on our podcast. Thanks for having me. You're it's never far great. from the floral couch. Thanks. <laughs> Never far. <laughs> I'll fly back soon. Perfect. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Floral Couch Conversations. If you're liking what you he- are hearing, please tell all of your friends or leave us a five-star review. You can find us at floralcouchconversations.com. Email us at floralcouchconversations at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, Floral Couch Conversations, and follow us on Instagram at Floral Couch Conversations. Feel free to slide into our DMs or send us an email if you have any questions or if there's anything you want to hear. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.